Welcome back to this week's edition of the State of Recruiting, your weekly Horns 24-7 recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined by Hudson Standish for what I think is our first ever early morning uh, show. It is about 7.30 here Friday morning, uh, but this is when we could get it in this week, and uh, I got to tell you guys, I'm dragging a little bit. Got in at uh, midnight last night from uh, driving to Austin and back, and uh, probably didn't get to sleep till about two. So uh, I'm going to try to fight through this, but uh, I think we should have a good show. Hudson, how you doing? I'm doing good, Mike. Um, yeah, just ready to get going. All right, we're going to get into it. We've got uh, on our show today, we're going to talk a little bit about wrapping up the uh, Jordan Addison recruitment. We're going to talk about state track and field, and then we are going to kind of look ahead to some summer visits. Um, so for those of you who haven't seen Jordan Addison, the Pittsburgh wide receiver transfer, who we've been talking about, uh, for quite a bit on the site over the last couple of weeks, uh, made his decision, uh, cho- choosing USC, uh, yesterday, Thursday, as you're uh, hearing this. And I think for us, it's that, that wasn't a big surprise for Horn 24 seven readers. It's kind of what we've been pointing to. I think that, when Addison entered the portal, USC was the heavy favorite. Texas was able to get him on campus for a visit. And um, from everything I've heard, the visit went really well. It, you know, it, it, it made it a real race between the two. But, you know, our contention was kind of always if he left Austin uncommitted, um, it probably wasn't going to end up well for Texas. That's kind of exactly what happened. And um, you know, though we heard you know, a little a little rays of, of hope here and there uh, from people over the weeks, uh, the overwhelming majority was that uh, a lot of people just didn't have a good feel for it. And anytime that's the case on one side, I just don't feel like it's good for them. So um, if you're a Horn 24-7 subscriber, I think you probably were prepared for that when he did pick USC. Yeah, I, I almost think that I almost think that it was, we covered it well on that uh, regard to the point to where a lot of Horns 24-7 subscribers believed, okay, well, he just took the visit as a courtesy. This was all smoke screen. And I mentioned that as a possibility really early on uh, in the Addison recruitment, but I, I don't know how you feel, Mike with it wrapped up now but i really do feel like he gave texas a legitimate shot once we heard that he took the usc visit and there was a little hesitation i think that that proved there was no smoke screen and that it was a real thing but at the same time as we reported and kind of i don't know held firm throughout the process the fact that he left texas uncommitted it just seemed like it was a matter of time almost before he ended up uh, signing that financial aid agreement with the Trojans. Yeah, I didn't see it as a smokescreen. I think that he was giving Texas a legitimate look. And, um, you know, I, I think smokescreen are not like, for anybody who's talking about, oh, you know, they had to cover up that there was tampering. Or they, no, they didn't. Like, they, he could have gone into the portal when he did and committed to USC the next day and nothing probably would have happened. So, um, I mean, I think he did give Texas a real look. It didn't work out for him in this case. And, you know, they'll have to move on. Still a very successful portal season. Still a lot of weapons they they were able to acquire from the portal. Uh, would have been great to 
to add Addison to that, but I think, um, you know, they go into the season with some, some real firepower on offense and, uh, yeah. And USC, I mean, you talk about roster reconstruction and, and loading some weapons quickly, uh, you know, that's going to look very different now in Los Angeles with Caleb Williams and Mario Williams, now Jordan Addison, uh, a lot of guys there that are, uh, going to make for some exciting ball on the West coast. Yeah, and another thing too, Mike, there are still some there's still some options for Texas in the portal. They're not a ton, but this um Diamante Tucker Dorsey uh kid from James Madison is a really interesting one. Um the Athletics Max Olson and our own Chris Hummer have kind of all been over that one saying that he could even potentially visit Texas next, next weekend. So there's still some intriguing portal options, but I think you're fair to say that it pretty much has wrapped up as far as the true recruiting season with uh, Jordan Addison being one of the probably last true five-star portal targets that we'll have uh, in the cycle. Yeah, yeah, I think from here on out, it's probably going to be grad transfers and those yeah. guys aren't likely to be rated as highly unless, you know... Unless for some reason, you know, some guy we're not thinking about right now all of a sudden decides to grad transfer, uh, you know, I, I don't think you're going to see those. So, yep, it was a uh, successful portal season, I think, for Texas. Would have liked to have won that one, but I think they, uh, they're they happy with, with what they got. All right, uh, Hudson, let's move on to our next segment. You and I went down to Austin last week for the state track and field. Uh, we're able to see a few different guys and – I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about that. So I think for us going in, one of the main events of that was uh, watching Brendan Thompson run his uh, sprints. And, you know, we uh, Brendan Thompson's all, all obviously been able to post these incredible times going 10-1, you know, multiple times. But there is always, you know, the question of, is he being aided along by that West Texas wind? Uh, that he's running, you know, with, and and how's he going to run in Austin, and how does he run on this track? Well, I don't think uh, I don't think he needed the wind, and uh, he he seemed to do just fine. I was not able to watch his hundred uh, because I was at a practice, but I did make it back in time to watch his two hundred. Uh, but I think you know, for us, uh, we we were really interested to just kind of see how he did, and I was shocked at. Um, watching your video of him running the 100 and watching him run the 200 live, how much he just blew away the entire field. Yeah, I, I mean, it was pretty remarkable to watch. I think that all Texas fans probably got even a little bit more excited just seeing him put down a pretty uh, easy 10-2. And then in the 200, I believe he finished with a 20.73, which – I don't believe was wind wind legal, but if it was, it would have shattered the three A record. So Brendan Thompson put on an absolute show uh, in Austin, and I think justified his decision not to enroll early and to come back and uh, truly, I don't make up for his junior year where he only uh, finished first in the two hundred and got second in the one hundred. So. Um, successful state track meet for the Spearman links, Brandon Thompson. Yeah. And I think, you know, that was a huge part of his, uh, motivation was to come back for the spring and, um, or in, and really accomplish those track goals that he set out to do. And, 
um, you know, congratulations to him. And I, I know he wanted to finish on a good note there. Um, elsewhere, elsewhere around the meet, we were able to see Ruben Owens. We were able to see Darian Gillette. We were able to see uh, Corian Gibson. There are a bunch of a bunch of different names. Hudson, who who really stood out to you from their performances? Yeah, I, I think that all track season, I have been talking about how freaky Darian Gillette is what he's been doing, but seeing him almost chase down two smaller, probably in straight line speed, much faster uh, people in the four by 100 meter relay as the anchor leg at six foot three, 230 pounds was pretty incredible to see. I think that um, just with the, you know, vast amount of events that he's in doing different things, whether it's shot, triple jump, sprints i think that he along with a fellow linebacker um in the 2023 class anthony hill who everybody knows as a five-star caliber talent i mean they're just absolute freaks and they they proved it on the track which is what as evaluators and as college coaches what people really ask of them and i and i think that when they show it they kind of need their flowers yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Galette running anchor on both four by one and four by two for Marlon. And um, I mean, like you said, just really almost chasing down some guys. I mean, the only guys he couldn't beat were, was, uh, was Refurio who ended up winning both events. And then their I think their anchor guy won the uh, hundred as well. So um Really impressive just to see that big body moving like that. And then Anthony Hill running on on Denton Ryan's four by one that that won silver at the event. Um, both those guys are just like you you said it tremendous athlete specimens. Both really good football players as well. Um, and you know with Anthony in, in general, I was talking you know with somebody yesterday. I I I think Anthony's been like the best football player in the state for the last two years, like just pure football player, top to bottom. When, uh, you know, seeing guys, I, I think of Anthony Hill as like the most consistent, um, best performer. And to see him out on the track running like that, he certainly doesn't have to, and you don't see a lot of linebackers do it. Uh, it really cemented kind of his status for me. Um, we also got to see uh, a few other guys. Uh, Beckville's Jacoby Williams, who Texas offered not too long ago, running the 110 hurdles. Talk about a guy who who uh, really smoked the field as well. I thought he was uh, pretty impressive. And then um, uh, your guy, Terry Bussey from Timpson, uh, was able to compete in a few events. And uh, I got kind of my first look at him. Yeah, no, but I, the small school talent for state track is always going to be there. Uh because it's just it's just kind of that small school mentality of you know your best athletes kind of do everything there's a lot less specialization so you're 2a 3a 4a in a lot of states the smaller classifications i'm uh, you know the media doesn't even show up because it's uh not worth it until the big schools arrive but in texas it's kind of different where you know there are going to be studs at basically every classification and we and we had that with Texas, I mean, in 2A, you had Darian Gillette. In 3A, you had Brennan Thompson. In 4A, you had Ruben Owens. I mean, that's a lot of combined stars for, you know, your three smallest classifications in the state. Yeah, and uh, I thought, you know, 
as far as covering it, um, it was my first year to cover state track. I don't know why I've just always been kind of busy that weekend, but I thought it was a good event. Um, you know, the, the parking situation could have been a little better. It was a long walk back and forth from the garage. But other than that, you know, I think Mike A. Myers, especially after having gone to the Louisiana state track meet uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think Mike A. Myers stadium is, um, you know, an incredible facility to host it. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the UIL was pretty, uh, they're always you know, pretty deal on that front. So, uh, really enjoyed it. Wish we could have stayed around for 6A. I mean, watching mm-hmm. those guys run is always fun, but had some personal stuff I had to get back in town for. So, uh, weren't able to see, see the top guys run, but what maybe, maybe next year we'll be able to, uh, do that. All right. Uh, before we move on to our next subject, we're going to, I believe this is the part where we will, uh, if you're listening on the podcast, we're going to take a short break. You could hear from uh, our sponsors. And if you're watching on YouTube, we'll continue to roll right on. All right. Um, it's the biggest thing going forward, I think, is what or, or what as far as what's next would be summer visits and uh, official visits are really starting to stack up. Everybody's got, getting them in line and we've got a lot of dates from a lot of kids. And um, I would say looking over, you know, kind of summer visits as a whole, it seems like for one, the headline is that June 24th weekend is going to be uh, the big one for Texas. I think that they want to get a lot of guys in that weekend uh, and, and really make that a, a huge recruiting weekend. I think a lot of their top targets are already scheduled for that, um, which I kind of, I'm trying to figure out, you know, how it's going to work because yeah, I think a lot of those guys might be in the state seven on seven tournament and that's going to be that weekend as well. But, um, you know, we'll see kind of how that goes as, as guys qualify and we kind of know the field for state seven on seven. Uh, but I think, um, you know, the summer was big last year. It was, you know, just consecutive weeks of big news and, and a lot of content. Um, I'm a little surprised they're stacking it as much as they are. I, I know last year that they kind of thought, well, maybe, you know, we should save some of these visits for the fall or maybe we should have, you know, put some of these off. But I think for a lot of these kids who want to make summer decisions, Texas wants to get in there and make their impression. Hudson, what are a couple of the guys you're, you know, you really think or you're looking forward to seeing kind of how things go this summer and, and what the buzz is coming out of their visit? I think everybody that's going to be on campus for the big uh, June 24th through 26th visit is big. I'm kind of more interested, though, in the guys that Texas wasn't able to get in that prime last official visit spot if they're kind of able to make up ground or push to an extent to where getting that last official visit won't matter as much. Um, Even a kid who does have Texas slotted in that weekend, but it's not his last official visit like Anthony Hill. Can Texas Mm -hmm. do enough to really make up ground in that recruitment, take a lead and then get it to the point to where going into Anthony Hill's final official visit with A&M he they give him everything to think about with a kid like Cedric Baxter who's going to be coming in I believe June 10th through June 12th can Texas do enough to where if he takes his last official visit with Miami that they can put that lingering thought in his head with the kids who end up qualifying for state track and field it's 
I think we've seen this before, Mike, but it turns into one of the true double-edged swords and just how savvy is this Texas recruiting staff? Because on one hand, if the kids just took three official visit weekends and you're able to delay their official visit to Texas for a month without them deciding, it's a pretty objective good thing because you just are creating almost a month more of space. It's not your fault that um, the official visit had to be pushed back. It's clearly just a scheduling problem with state track and field. But then you get to state, be uh, seven on seven. Yeah, yeah, state seven on seven. But then you just get to be more of a solo experience. Because with these kids, sometimes if they stack their visits, how we're kind of seeing where it's four weeks back to back, even though they're in hotels and it is luxury, they're also getting pitched almost every single day. And it does become kind of a drain. I mean, we've seen that with how many kids. So even though you do want that last official visit, I mean, sometimes you get kids where they're kind of dreading going on the last trip. Yeah, I think visit fatigue is a real thing. But I think the other side of that coin you talked about are kids who hold themselves to these timelines that they yep. don't necessarily need to. And we saw it last year with Bryce Anderson, who go and you get a half visit after going to state seven on seven and competing there. Exactly. Exhausted from the tournament. And then all of a sudden it's okay, right? Right. We're going right to Austin. And then now you're you're on for this visit. So yeah, I mean it's always a it's always a weird game to play. Um, always a, a weird weekend to have it, but it sounds like they're going to Excuse me. Well, sorry. Uh, sounds like they're going to have their big weekend that weekend. Um, I think if we talk, there's a couple of guys in this class who they probably need to have a great weekend with um, to kind of rebound. And I think there's a couple of guys in this class that uh, they're in a better place than a lot of people are giving them credit for. I'm going to give you one of each of those categories, and if you've got one, uh, you, you can as well. I'm going to take one of your guys who, um, you know, we uh, I saw last week and, and absolutely loved up close uh, in a practice theory. I think Colton Vosick, if they can, you know, I, I know everybody's excited to kind of figure out where things stand with him. And Colton hasn't let a lot out. And I know there's a lot of big programs recruiting him. Um, Colton has not released his official visits. He's asked me to kind of keep those quiet. So I'm not going to tell you when that is, but he is, I, I do believe he will visit Texas. Um, and I think Texas will get a chance to make a statement. Can they win over a guy who I, after seeing him last week, I think, you know, and, and matching it up with his production and film last season, I, I think is a possible, is a top 15 possible top 10 player in the state. Pretty easy. Um, can they win him over? And then a guy that, I don't think too many people are giving them a chance about, and there's starting to be a lot of chatter about at uh, receivers, DeAndre Moore uh, coming in from, from California. I think everybody thinks that's a done deal to USC. I don't think that's necessarily the case. And I haven't for a while. Um, I, I've been kind of saying since, uh, since I saw DeAndre in Las Vegas, that Texas is, is absolutely in this race. Uh, he'll be coming in for a visit. Uh, I think he's on the 23rd or, or the 24th weekend. Um, and, I think Texas could emerge from the summer the outright leader to land DeAndre Moore. And if that happens, um, you know, that's a huge, huge pickup uh, at the receiver position. Anybody who kind of fits that mold for you, Hudson? 
Uh, real quick on Vasek and more. One, it's been funny, me included. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously before um, I took the job with 24-7, we talked and you'd always say, like, Texas has a legit shot with DeAndre Moore. And I don't know what it was, maybe just the immediate Lincoln Riley, the USC factor. I was just like, I don't know, Mike. And then slowly then taking the job with 24-7, getting the full behind-the-scenes intel and being like, oh, okay, they really do have a shot, to now you've kind of held the same position for the last three months or so and seeing it trickle across, um, you know, the various recruiting landscape has been kind of fun to watch because I feel like, you know, the Horns 24-7 subscribers have known for a while that DeAndre Moore is a real possibility, but everybody else in the Texas recruiting uh you know, Twitter sphere kind of finding out has been fun. And then with Vosick, what a roller coaster it's been just to this point. And obviously none of that is the kid's fault, but for Texas fans, he really blows up during the fall. I think I write my first thing about him in November when he doesn't have an offer or he had just picked up Tulsa. AJ Milwe is the primary one recruiting him at that time and is, you know, really the only power five major school to be on him. It seems like because he's a legacy that Texas is going to have the inside track and it's going to be an easy slam dunk recruitment. I wrote it uh, from the state football press box, but he gave me a quote that was like basically just saying, yeah, I'd love to play with Ethan at the next level. Like that'd be super easy. But then Vosik didn't stop blowing up and he got Alabama and he got Georgia and he got Ohio state. He got, you know, Oregon. He, everybody um, was on him. And for a while it seemed like Texas was going to be the odd man out for a Westlake kid who was a legacy. So seeing that course correct has been really encouraging. And I think that Texas fans should be just about as all in on this one as they are with, I mean, every other borderline five-star, you know, four-star, five-star type in the class. Who's another one that I could potentially see in that uh, Texas looks good for, but maybe the fans wouldn't be so sure? I think Marcus Deal is a good one where Texas is in a really strong position and Bo Davis has kind of crushed that recruitment, but he's one, as far as the priorities go, that kind of gets left out of the wash just because there is that little bit of positional um, insecurity as far as do do we really think he's going to play defensive line forever or is he going to make probably the more natural switch to offensive line in the future? Um, yeah, so going back to Vosick, uh, I was just – talking to somebody last night about it and I and I we were just talking about it. it's crazy that all those schools came out to see Ethan Burke um and he blew up and you know got his offers and everything and they didn't look down the other side of the line and go hey maybe while we're here um we should offer this kid as well who is uh looks like an exact uh, clone probably a little better off physically from a body perspective and is playing uh, at, a, at a similarly high level. So, yeah, um, I mean, Mike, that was something that even, you know, Guy and I talked about last year was what, and here's, here's a funny story too. Um, Coach O, who you and I, you know, kind of exist in the same space that we do. And for those who aren't aware is a um, 
recruiting not, coordinator. Not Ed Orgeron. What'd you say? Not Ed Orgeron. Yeah, exactly. I was about to say I should probably uh, not coach Ed Orgeron, um, but coach Owens at uh, Ferris, who does a lot of recruiting stuff, uh, works with Texas Flex seven on seven. We showed him Colton Vosick's film in the state uh championship press box i believe during the 2a state championship game because we were throwing out guys that either had no one offer or no offers and i said hey here's a legit stud for you. he's gonna play in the westlake game later you know we could probably get him to blow up he watched his film and immediately was like look that that kid does not need help any with any exposure he's gonna have everybody he wants by march and you know, kind of came true. So I, I don't know with the amount of college coaches that are at Westlake, what the holdup was with that one. It is still one of the more odd ones to me. Uh, didn't Ryan head coach Dave Hennigan kind of had a call out earlier in the week for some college coaches. And oh, I saw that. That was a, it was a good tweet. He's I thought that it was on the money because as much as we're at high school campuses, you do see a lot. And, and essentially the tweet was saying, there are a lot of college coaches that I watch on my sideline networking with each other instead of evaluating high school kids. And then when you do get to talk to my high school kids after practice, you're inviting them for a camp in shirts and shorts when you had the opportunity to watch them take live reps and pads. So I don't know. I thought that was a little bit of a preaching moment. And that's what I was thinking as we're talking about Colton Bosick, like, Okay, when people are at Westlake, are you like how how do you miss a six foot six, well built guy like that? I mean, it's it's just crazy to me, Mike. Yeah, and uh, you know, I had obviously seen him at State. And I knew how much you liked him. I thought he was a good player. Didn't you know? I, I told you the other day. I said State is the worst place for me to evaluate a player because I'm usually doing a hundred different things and I'm writing in the press box and I don't get to watch as closely as I would have. So going out to Westlake's practice while we were in town, um, seeing him up close, watching him move laterally, watching how he's put together, I was like calling you leaving Westlake. Like, okay, I I, I see the vision. I am completely on board with. Uh, this kid is an elite prospect, especially when you talk about – we've talked a lot about NFL bodies, SEC bodies. I mean, he is absolutely – what you look for every bit of the way as an edge player um, in this class. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I think for me, I'm really, I'm really interested to see how his visit comes out. Oh, yeah. Uh, and also, I'm sure fans are like, okay, well, Mike, if you saw him at State, like, he was the defensive MVP. He had, you know, three and a half sacks. And, like, yes – but I think what Mike is trying to say, too, a little true peek behind the curtain, Mike was, like, breaking the Tashard choice higher as this was going on. So when he's saying, like, it's the hardest time for me to evaluate players, with that game specifically, too, I mean, there just wasn't a lot of um, – Yeah, like, I knew he played great. And, and, and like, I saw, yeah. I saw him play. But, yeah, I was, like, writing stories and running up and down the press box and doing stuff on the phone with people. But – it was also like you also it's different watching a guy from a press box 300 feet up and yeah. and really going i didn't go down on the field to that game until after the game um and really going down on the field and eyeballing a kid you know at practice and watching him do individual drills and some things that 
um, you know, you don't get to see in a game. I think that uh, that's why I like practices a lot. There's a lot you could take from practices that you don't necessarily get to see uh, in other places. And so just that was my first time seeing him in a practice setting because he doesn't camp. So I haven't seen him in a camp setting. Um, and I just thought, you know, oh, wow. OK, he's I've I've always I've always thought he was a good player, obviously. But I now I am like now I, I see the vision on making him you know, kind of that top 10, top 15 elite type player in the state. So, uh, Mike, speaking about another potential kind of fringe guy, you recently saw Ian Reed. Yeah, uh, last night, um, which is why I've got bags under my eyes. Um, and I, I like, I've looked uh, since the first time I saw Ian on film, I've really liked him. You know, I think he's, his build is is what you look for in an offensive lineman. Uh, by the way, Hudson, you're, uh, we we need to talk sometime today, maybe offline about uh, the what Vandergriff's got coming um, in their system. They've got some kids coming, man, uh, including um, what we were told is the next Ian Reed. If and will probably be bigger or probably be better, um, but Ian is a. Uh, I, I just always loved a, a guy his size plays rugby um and uh he moves like it you can tell yeah you know, the, the only thing say, that translates so easily yeah the only thing that, that like you know i think limits him a little bit is his length i don't think he's just a you know your elite long tackle but guy that could play right tackle guy could play on the interior um really good kid and he's a so we were going we were talking last night we we're going over his official visits um, and I'm trying to remember him off the top of my head, but like he's a true O line guy. Like, just they were the coaches were like, we just really wanted to get Wisconsin interested. Um, and uh, he's going to take a Wisconsin official visit. I mean, and it, you know, it, like to me, there's like if you're an offensive lineman, you can you could do all the uh, you know if you're an elite offensive lineman, you could just say, I'm going to go to these four or five elite schools, or you could be like, I want to get Iowa and Wisconsin interested here uh, and see what's going on. So um, I think Texas is in a really good position. Uh, he spoke extremely highly of Kyle flood uh, who I, I just, you know, I was, I was talking with one of our friends in the media last night who was also there. And I was just like, look, man, like, it's weird for me because I've never covered a Texas staff like this with an offensive line coach like this, but flood just doesn't get outworked on priority guys. Like he's just always there. And, um, you know, I think that uh, under previous coaches that hasn't always been the case. And so uh, it's kind of, kind of uh surreal to see. So I think that's why we're, we've, you and I have both been so bullish on, on the offensive line group going forward. For sure. Mike, also kind of last thing on Ian Reed too. You and I, I think, are pretty high compared to the consensus of where he is ranked um, just across the entire industry. How close would you be? Let's say, you know, he has a pretty good start to the his senior season. Would you be shocked by game six if we do our midseason evaluations and he's your number one uh offensive line prospect in the state because I, I honestly wouldn't no I'm not sure he's not right now or number <laughs> one offensive Absolutely. like I'm not saying he is but I don't there's not an obvious one to me um I think if Marcus Deal was not set on playing defensive line Marcus Deal might be my top offensive mm -hmm. line guy in the state easy but 
outside of that, I mean, I like Harris Sewell. I like TJ Shanahan. I don't, you know, there's nobody I'm just in love with. And I, and I really like Ian. I think Ian's a, a, a really good player. Um, so definitely interesting. Yeah. I, I would be all over that. I think, um, you know, in most years, Ian Reed wouldn't be your top offensive lineman, but this is kind of a down year of the cycle. And, um, that doesn't mean that he's bad or Jaden Chapman's bad or Connor Stroh's bad. It's just, you don't have that elite top end talent we saw last year and guys like Kelvin Banks and, uh, Devon Campbell. Yeah. But- it, it- it, it just goes to show how spoiled Texas is as a state because I could definitely see uh, somebody taking grievance with that, but it's the truth. Like, there, you know, there's no Kelvin Banks, there's no Devon Campbell, but what we're just trying to say is Ian Reed's still so freaking good. He has nearly every offer in the country. He's fantastic. Yeah. Like, that, and I mean, if, you, if you picked up this class and dropped it in another state – they would probably oh, be like, oh, man, this is oh, one of our top generation. Yeah, we have a generational offensive line group. Yeah, but it's just uh, – it's just. I mean, when you look at it, it's, it's next solid. to last year's class, yeah. it's solid, not spectacular. Um, Absolutely. You know, so, um, I, think yeah, that you're, I think that your top kind of core offensive line group in the state, for me at least, is Jaden Chapman, um, Ian Reed, and then maybe Harris Sewell, but I don't know. I've I've – continued to watch tape and i just think that chapman and reed are kind of the more intriguing um options for ot or you know ol1 in the state right now yeah and uh for listeners of the pod uh readers of the website stay tuned because hudson and i have discussed putting together our own top 100 list and uh this summer tease when we're looking for stuff to do all right uh anything else you want to get to before we get out of here i don't think so All right. Well, we appreciate you guys for uh, listening. We appreciate you guys for playing along. Hudson, appreciate you for moving your schedule to accommodate this. And we appreciate Jordan Mayton, who is uh, producing this today, stepping in for Taylor, uh, who is is, uh, not feeling well. So uh, thank you to everybody. We will see you guys next week.